It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Good morning, Elevate Church. Week two of a series we launched last week called Lead Like Jesus. And uh, we've ripped this title unapologetically from a book of the same name uh, called Lead Like Jesus, written by Ken Blanchard and Phil Hodges. Now, not sure how good your eyesight is. Mine's not very good. Uh, At the top of the book is actually the subtitle. It's a little bit weird. Which is called Leadership Lessons for Everyone from the Greatest leadership role model of all time. And we're really picking up on two things from that subtitle. Number one, for everyone. And this premise that every one of us, whether we've got the the business card or the sign on our office door that says we're a leader in terms of a position of leadership, regardless of that, all of us uh, are, are called and compelled to grow in influence. So ultimately, we can be people who point the people in our spheres towards true north, towards Jesus. So this is an everyone series, not just for so-called select few people who are in positions of leadership. And the second one is Blanchard recognizing that Jesus was the goat, the greatest of all time when it comes to leadership. And I covered this off last week, gave some uh, what I think reasonably solid proof of why that statement's true. Giuseppe, you missed it. I talked about the Roman Empire. You would have loved it. I did it all in Italian. It was beautiful. Uh, Anyway, you can all listen to the podcast, go back to that. And we talked last week about leadership starts with the heart. That first and foremost, we have to have a very clear why. And the why is about serving others. The why isn't it about us and getting the perks and the power and and the position and everything that so supposedly comes with leadership. It's about serving others, that God use me so I can actually invest into and lift other people up. That, That there's gotta be a why before the what and the how. And in fact, in a lot of leadership training, they just kind of jump straight into the what and the how and don't, and don't zoom out into the why. But the why is at the center of leadership. And if our why is off, then our what and our how will almost always be off as well. So today, however, I do wanna move the conversation towards the what and the how. Let's start with a game that we can all play along. So here's the game. Complete, it's called Complete This Sentence. If you want something done, you have to do it. Right, exactly, yourself. No prizes for winning that game because it was too easy. Well, here's the thing. If I look a little bit down to you, if I look a little bit sad, it's called POSD. Post-Olympic Stress Disorder. I've got withdrawal symptoms from two weeks of the Olympics and two weeks of the Paralympics. And it's very sad. My life at the moment, very, very sad. I watched them. I binged them. I was going bonkers. Seven had like 20 channels. And I'm like, how can I watch all of these if I only had 20 TVs? I would have done it. Um, One of the things about the Olympics and the Paralympics is, as you know, is at the end of the event, the final or whatever it happened to be, 
medals are given. And technically, three medals are given, a gold, a silver, and a bronze. Now, if you are in an individual sport, then only the individuals who won the gold, the silver, the bronze get to stand up on the podium and get their medals. If you're in a team sport, the entire team gets to stand up on the podium and the entire team gets a gold medal and a silver medal and a bronze medal. But one of the things we can miss when we see that medal ceremony and maybe you've watched the sport, one thing we can miss is that even in the so-called individual sports, they were still very much a team effort. And you know that when they go to inter interview the individual. How does it feel winning the gold medal? And it, unless they're a total sociopath, they will typically thank their coach, thank their family, thank their coach from, from when they were junior for believing in them, thank the people around them for giving up for them. And the list goes on. And you know, thank you for my medical staff. And, thank you. And, and, and that's the reality that achieving things of significance almost always requires a team. And we're saying lead like Jesus. So we might be kind of quick to conclude that if anybody could have ever done it on their own, didn't need a team, surely it was the Son of God who came down to earth and could have done it all on his own. Yet, even Jesus built a team and decided to do ministry and the kingdom as a team effort. So what I wanna to do today is I wanna do a flyover of Jesus' pattern of how he built the team. And it's actually a pattern that we've taken on uh, here. And it's got three parts to it. By the way, sorry, if you've got epilepsy, this isn't me uh, causing this. Uh, the team are on it. Um, discover, develop, and deploy. Now, before I get into those, I just wanna do a quick PSA. I'm aware that what I'm about to teach may be, may be a little bit above some of our or your current pay grade. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I mean, I'm aware that, that we're all, all at different stages of our leadership journey. Some haven't even sort of consciously begun that journey. And, and I hope that this series fuels the fire that actually puts in you this desire to become a, an effective leader. Some of you are part way, you know, early stages of that journey. Um, but here's the thing. Sometimes you have to acquire the tool and put it in your toolbox, even if at that point you still don't fully understand how to use it. You're just like, I'm pretty sure this will come in handy. Um, and, and what happens is if you have a want to, and you educate yourself, then over time, you, you, you will figure out how to use some of these things. For example, right now, I'm doing uh, what I call the finishing touches around our house. We had an extension built. We had the original house, a bit of renovations done. I'm doing the finishing touches. It sounds, it's a pretty long list. Nevertheless, one of the finishing touches is painting the original house, the inside, the, the walls, the, 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 the roof, the, not the roof, the ceiling, is that what we call it? Uh, the door frames, the, and, and I'm doing that myself. Now, um, I'm not a very experienced painter, uh, to say the least. Uh, half of our original, I'm very motivated to do a good job though, because half of our original house was renovated with our builder, and our contract had a professional painter paint that, 
and then I'm gonna paint the rest. And one thing I'm trying to avoid is when people walk into a house and I say to them, oh yeah, uh, by the way, just so you know, uh, just, uh, this was the bit, this was the bit of the house that was painted by a professional and this was the bit that was painted by me. I'm trying to avoid them saying, you're no kidding. <laughs> I'm trying to get my skills up to a certain level. So right at the beginning, I went to Bunnings, as you do, and I bought a paint scraper. I figured, you know, I'm probably gonna be having to scrape paint at some stage, so I'll buy a paint scraper. Got my paint scraper. Then I started watching YouTube videos, trying to educate myself. I've got the want to, here's the thing. I've got the want to, now I need to improve on the how to. I, so one of these jokers on the YouTube painting channels pulls out this paint scraper. It's exactly the same one that I have. And I'm like, yes, I'm on the right track. And he says, now in the industry, we call this a five in one. And I'm like, wait, what? It does five things? I, 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 just, I just bought it to scrape. And he goes, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. Over the last three months, I've now discovered four of those five uses. One of them still eludes me, but I'm not finished yet. Liz, if you can help me out, that'll, that'll be great, greatly appreciated. Or Jordan, or Tom, or Neil, or anybody that's in the painting industry. Uh, but here's the thing. I had the tool even before I fully understood how to use it. And that's a lot of what this series is about. It's about hopefully fueling the want to, giving some how to, and then over the journey as we continue to grow and influence, things will be, oh yeah, okay, I get, I get this now. I, I, I know that's available to me now and I'm gonna to start to use it. So this is just a flyover of Jesus' approach to building His team. Discover, develop, deploy. Let's start with discover. Jesus was an idiot in terms of how He went about picking His team by current standards. Because Jesus did not go to the highest ranking education institutions of the day and pick the ducks of each of the classes. He did not go to the wealthiest families and say, give me your best and brightest. He did not go looking for the ones with the, the great accomplishments and just kind of making them his first round draft pick. In fact, he, the, the 12 that he chose were described as unschooled, ordinary people. Most of them were in their late teens. They were blue collar workers. He threw in a tax collector for good measure and no one liked that guy. Uh, and so he picked these 12 unschooled, ordinary dudes to, as his, as his hand-picked 12, that he was picking them with the very express purpose that they would go on to transform the world. So they did not look like the sort of raw materials that were gonna achieve the purpose that Jesus had ultimately in mind. And yet that's who he chose. Which by the way, if you are wondering why God chose you, you're in good company. He then, he didn't leave it at that. He then went on to develop them. Before I get to that, here's the thing about discovering. It, it's helpful if we know what it is we're looking to bring people in to do or what's the role, or we call it here at Elevate, find your fit. And we kind of uh, riff on that when we explain what find your fit means from a Tupperware gadget, not, not the milk storage canister, but this thing. Does anyone know what this is? 
Does anyone know, Neil, I know you know, because you were the one that told me. Uh, does anyone know what this is actually called? Whoa, Neil, do you know? Okay, Karen, ready? It's called a shapo. Correct, a shapo. And the object, I don't know if they still make it. I don't even know if they still make Tupperware. I've moved on from plastic. But anyway, there was a time when, and the idea of this is there is this, is this uh, alien object, blue and red alien object, and then there's a bunch of yellow objects. What you'll see in these yellow objects is the idea of this game is you try to pick one object, yellow object, and put it inside, inside the, the, the shape that'll then see it go into, it's a remarkably simple uh, concept when you think about it. Uh, but, um, but somebody thought of it, and it's very rich, Mr. Tupperware thought of it. Uh, but here's the thing about Shapo that, that's very important to understand. It's is that the object of the game is not just to dis, dis, discover the correct shaped object and put it in the correct shape hole. It's also to match up the correct sized object and put it in the right size hole. And so when you go about discovering, beginning this journey of, of picking your team and forming your team, don't start them in the deep end. They might be the right shape, but they might not yet have the capacity required, right? And if you throw them into something that's too big for them, they will more often than not fail and then get discouraged and then think, well, this is a total waste of time. And the people around them will also suffer as a result of that. Now, sometimes we need to stretch a little and growth will come over the course of that. But this is the idea of find your fit, that we're looking for people in the discovery phase that have something of the right shape and that have a hint of becoming more than what they are today. And I'll, and I'll give you one pro tip. Don't just look for talent, okay? Some talent is useful, but talent alone is not enough. In fact, the way I would encourage you to consider it is look for or prioritize teamwork over talent every time. In an ideal world, you will discover people who have enormous talent and are great team players in an ideal world. But let me tell you this. Sometimes people have enormous talent and aren't great team players. And some people are great team players but don't have the same level of talent. And if you were ever forced to choose between teamwork or talent, choose teamwork over talent every single time. There's an MIT study conducted in 2008 where they brought together 699 individuals and they wanted them to achieve, uh, uh, perform several uh, tests in groups. So they took the 699 individuals and they put them into 152 groups. Prior to allocating them into the groups, they ran them through an IQ test. And they chose the people with the highest IQ and they put them all in certain groups and then the rest of them, the schlebs, were put in the other groups. And then they were all required to perform the same challenges and the same tests. Well, contrary to what popular belief might suggest, the ones, the groups made up of the people with the highest IQ performed the worst in the group activities because they had great talent but weren't so great at teamwork. 
Michael Jordan said it this way, talent wins games, teamwork wins championships. So these are some characteristics of a team player. And, and by the way, if you're in a team, ask the question, am I demonstrating these characteristics? Because you can actually make your team more effective even if you're not the leader of the team by being a great team player. So here's some characteristics of a team player. Number one, they're willing to set aside their own agenda and personal preferences for the objectives of the team. They recognize it's not about them, it's about the team. Number two, they play well in the playground with others. You can take your eye off them for a moment and things will not turn into carnage. Number three, they prioritise alignment. Now, you actually know this one to be true. If you're a car driver, I am not, but what I understand about car driving is there's four wheels rubber side down on the ground and Sometimes those wheels, at least one of them, gets out of alignment. Is this true? Am I, am I, have I been reading my How to Drive a Car books correctly? Okay, good. All right. Now, before you get to the mechanic and you ask them to perform an... Good, good. Uh, you can still drive the car. It is still drivable. However, apparently it'll shimmy and shake and you'll have to put in additional energy just to keep it in the direction that you're trying to head. This is what happens when a person in a team is out of alignment. We'll probably still, probably still get to where we're gonna go, but it's gonna take a lot, it's gonna waste a lot of sideways energy and it's gonna be a total uh, constant like sand in your undies situation. Don't worry about the lighting people, looking at them isn't gonna help them fix it. Podcast people, trust me, you're better off not knowing what I'm talking about. Uh, Alignment then, you get your car back from the alignment guy and it's like, huh, all of your energy can be then put into forward momentum. Here's another one, coachable. See, the other side of leadership is followership. And one of the things that we can add value to our team is by being a great follower, a great team player, be coachable. The minute you think you know everything, you're done. Quit, get out of the way for people who are actually interested in growing. Be coachable. And, and by the way, don't wait for your leader to bring the feedback to you. Seek it out. How can I do this better? Is there anything I'm a bit off? Is there anything I'm out of alignment in? Have, how can, and, and this makes the team better, having team players. If you ever have to choose between teamwork and talent, and you don't always have to choose, but if you did, prioritise teamwork over talent every single time. So Jesus chose 12 unschooled, ordinary guys who thankfully, for the most part, were coachable. Thankfully, for the most part, were great team players. And then He went about developing them. It wasn't just like ready-made. He started developing them. Now, here's a framework for development. This may be one of the five-in-one tools. This is one of the things that leadership can have in, is how do I develop people? This is a process that we use here at Elevate. I use with the people that I'm developing. And it goes like this. And by the way, I'm gonna walk you through this and you're gonna say, oh, that seems pretty obvious. And I'll be saying to you, yeah, it, it is. It's actually pretty obvious. But, but it has to be done. 
just knowing it isn't going to be the key that's actually doing this. And so here's, here's the thing. Often there's a role and if you're the leader or you're somewhere in, in, in the mix and you, you think, well, you know what, I'll just, I'll just get busy. I'll get started with that. It has to be done. It's an important function, important moving part. I'll do it. Great. Starts with I do often. And this is great. In fact, if you're a leader and you say, you know, I, I'm going to do this, often that demonstrates that you're actually serving. That you're, you're not just like sitting up in your ivory tower and say, like, that's beneath me. It's like, no, no, I'll get in there. I'll do that. However, like Jesus, the goal isn't to just do this as a solo sport. And so we can be looking for these people we discover that have a sense of the right shape and the right size to begin their journey. And we invite them to be a part of the mix. And then we don't actually get them to do the stuff straight away. It's the next stage is I'll do, but I want you to ride shotgun with me. I want you to come along and you watch. And, and when you watch, I want you to ask questions. I want you to, you know, why do you, why do, you do that? Why do we do that? Why, why don't we do that? Help me understand. And, and this gets a little, and what you're doing is you're actually wading them in through the shallow end of the pool not even knee deep yet. So there's very minimal chance of drowning. And, and you're there. They're safe. Daddy's here. Mama's here. And they're, and they're safe. So you, so you continue to wade them in from the shallow end. And then at some point you say, okay, now, uh, uh, do you think you're ready to give this a go? But, but, but just understand that when you do, I'm gonna still be here. I'm gonna watch. So we're gonna to start to make our way to the mid, middle part of the pool. Maybe something around waist deep, maybe even a little bit more if we get freaky and carried away. Uh, but again, monitoring their progress. We're trying to set people up for a win and we're trying to set the team up for a win and we're trying to set who we're trying to serve up for a win. So you do and I watch. This is this development process and making sure that you're, asking questions, answering questions, giving understanding. Eventually, you, you wanna be able to say to them, you do. This isn't the end of the leadership commitment, but this is the deployment stage. So Jesus went through discover, develop, and deploy. If you've got your Bible app, I wanna give you an example of this. Luke chapter nine, Luke recorded this. Now, Luke wasn't one of Jesus' handpicked 12. He was a medical doctor, as some very great people are. And after Jesus left the building, he was fascinated to hear about all these things that Jesus had taught, Jesus had done. And so he went about interviewing eyewitnesses and recording things that Jesus had done. This is the guy, Dr. Luke. And we've got a record of that. In this slice of history, Jesus had just, just sent the 12 out on their own. He, he'd just gone through the I'll do, then I do, you watch. Now he'd moved into the you do and I watch. And he'd sent them out to the nearby towns and villages to preach about the kingdom of God and to pray for the sick. And so they did that and some people didn't like it, but for the most part, it was a bit of a success. It was their first taste of you know, deployment. And then they came back and Jesus, when they came back, wanted to take them aside and debrief, you know, because they're still at the, the you do, I watch stage. Like, how did it go? What did you learn? What areas for improvement did you have? Problem was, 
that they had been building so much popularity that crowds followed them. And so when Jesus wanted to take them aside, crowds went, well, if you're going, we're coming too. And thousands had gathered around. 5,000 dudes is what's recorded, but probably also a bunch of women, a bunch of children. So it's likely there was 10,000 plus people in this moment in history. And Luke recorded from the eyewitness accounts, as the sun set, the 12 said, uh, Jesus, uh, dismiss the crowd so they can go to the farms and villages around here and get a room for the night and a bite to eat. I mean, we're out in the middle of nowhere. And Jesus said, uh, no, uh, you feed them. And uh, they said, huh? We couldn't scrape up more than five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. I mean, unless of course you want us to go into town ourselves and buy food for everybody. I mean, there's more than 5,000 people in the crowd. But Jesus went ahead and directed his disciples, set them down in groups of about 50. Well, the disciples did what he said and soon everyone was seated. And Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and he lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke, and then stood up and then said to all the 5,000, 10,000 people, everyone form a line and walk to me and I'm gonna give you some fish and some bread. No, actually, no, that's gonna, no, that's gonna take too long. No, what Jesus said was, uh, stay where you are and I'm gonna come around with uh, like a meal delivery service, like Uber Eats uh, with uh, some, some fish and, and some bread. No. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke and gave the bread and the fish to the disciples to hand out to the crowd. Now, spoiler alert, the crowd was fed and there was leftovers. But where did the miracle of multiplication actually take place? It actually took place in the hands of the disciples. That Jesus actually, by that stage in their journey, trusted them enough to deploy them, that they had the faith that as they went around, even though they'd never done this before, and they just come back from seeing miracles take place because of their ministry, people got fed from the hands of the disciples. Now, <laughs> that doesn't mean that we walk away from leading in that point in time. Doesn't mean our job's done. In fact, leadership then has what I call an, an ongoing role to play. And I call it the training and reinforcement loop, okay? So it's... <laughs> Wow, that must have taken hours. <laughs> the training and reinforcement loop. You will have already done some training. That's the point. Moving people, developing them from I do to I do, you watch, to you do, I watch, now to the you do. You've spent that time training them. And it's in that training, that development process that we have the confidence and that they have the confidence to be able to deploy them. Then, as they do what they do, the people that you've developed, look for opportunities to, to catch them doing the right thing. Look for opportunities to catch them doing what you've trained them to do, to catch them doing the sorts of things, exhibiting the sorts of behaviors, the sorts of attitudes, that, that, that are actually what you wanted in the first place. And when you see them doing that, 
make a beeline and, and, and give them that reinforcement, give them that affirmation. Man, that is exactly what I wanted you to do. That is so, so brilliant. Sophia, I've got one for you later on. Don't scooch away before I give it to you. Uh, but catch people, see, and when you do, here's a, here's a very uh, important pro tip. When you give people the, the, the reinforcement, the affirmation for doing the right thing, be as specific as you can. Go beyond good job. Help them understand why it was a good job. You know this, by the way. You don't like wasting your time. Who likes wasting their own time? Nobody, no, I'm not talking about sitting around watching Netflix. I'm talking about going through five of years of your life and doing nothing that really matters, okay? Here's the thing. And, and by the way, here's what's worse than you not wanting to waste your own time is you never wanting other people to waste your time. And when you go on this journey as a follower, you wanna know inherently that what you're doing actually matters, that what you're doing actually adds value, that what you're doing is actually contributing to the, the broader objectives of the team. And, and the problem is in some areas of leadership and life, it's not always obvious. In sports, it's always obvious. Uh, coach, uh, what's the objective of this? It's the objective is to score more points than the other team. Oh, okay. Oh, how do we do that? Take this ball and put it through those sticks. Oh, okay, coach. That, that's it? Yeah, that's it. Oh, all right. And at the end of the, the, the time clock, you say, oh, oh, coach, how do we do? And the coach says, it's on the scoreboard, buddy. And he goes, oh, yeah. And he knows or she knows in an instant whether they've won or they've lost. They've also had a record throughout the game of whether they're on track or not, Right? I know, it's plainly obvious, but that's my point. Life isn't always like that, right? Leadership isn't always like that. Being a part of a team, it's not always that obvious. So as the leader in this reinforcement loop, come in regularly and say to the person, the people that you're leading, give them encouragement and give them specific feedback. What they did that worked what they did they worked, and why it worked. And, and they will then have more clarity and more motivation to keep doing more of that because they know they know it matters. And then training, final thought, is that this doesn't end. Then you might have the coaching conversation with them about an area for improvement. Because again, like, oh, okay, good. This will help me be more effective. Yeah, yeah, it will help me more effective. Okay, Give me a gift. Okay, here's a gift. And give them that. And this continues on through the entire, as long as you're leading them and as long as they're following, this should never end. Training and reinforcement. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.